If you have a Bible with you, uh, you can open your Bible to Romans 12. Um, Tim has some Bibles there as well. If you don't have a Bible in your hands, you want one today, um, he'll bring one to you. Just slip your hand up, he'll bring it to you so you can have it. We want you to have God's Word in your hands. It's God's Word that is the all-sufficient truth. Uh, we always say that we, we don't bring anything. This preacher doesn't bring anything to you. The Bible brings us everything that we need. It's God's Word to us. So yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse we're going to be starting in verse 11. But before we do that, we should just uh, tell you where we are in this series. We've been doing a preaching series since uh, November uh, called The 5G Life, what it means to be a true Christ follower. And we're just starting to close that sermon series out. Um, we've been focusing on three relationships that we have. Um, our relationship with the Lord is our abiding in Him. Our relationship with each other is how we connect to one another. And this relationship of share is what we're starting today. And we're going to be focusing on give time, our giving time, our serving time to the Lord. And so uh, when we get to the go time, that's going to be further down the road. I mean, next week is go time, right? Next week is go time here. We're launching the church. We want to be going out to the world, sharing the gospel, inviting people here. Um, so really, the go time is going to be in practice. But we'll, we'll turn back and see practically how, how going, I mean, this is missions. This is everything. This is church planting how that's going to fit into our church. But today we're going to focus on our share relationship and give time. So if you remember, um, I started, uh, there was the first three sermons. There was the Abide Sermon, Connect Sermon, now the Share Sermon. Uh, we did that back in November, and we studied Matthew chapter 5, and we looked at verses 14 to 16, where Jesus says to his disciples and to us, you are the light of the world. He's looking at his disciples, these these, uh, these fishermen, these everyday ordinary people, and telling them that you are the light of the world. And we are disciples. We are those who follow after Christ. We are the light of the world. We're the ones with the treasure. We're the ones with the truth. And we're called to share that with the world. We've been given a Christ-given mission to us in this world. And the main point of that sermon was that, that true Christ followers cannot hoard their faith. We can't keep it to ourselves. We are urgently compelled to share it with others. We learn that we must share it because we have received it, first of all. This has come to us from the Lord. So when you're given a gift, you've got to turn around and give it back out. Uh, we learn that we, we must share it because we can't contain it. Remember, you can't cover the light. You can't, you can't cover a bright, shining city. It, it has to be seen. And we have to share it because of the darkness and the sin in the world. We're called to be lights to the world, shining the gospel to the outer depths and reaching those so that they can come to life. And we do all this. We share the light for the glory of God. So that's kind of a summary of what that sermon was about, laying the groundwork for, for being a sharing church. So today, we're going to look at, at this sharing. Like I said, uh, we're going to be looking at give, giving time. We're to share the light with the world through giving ourselves away for the gospel. Giving ourselves away for the gospel. And I think this is very timely for us, right? This is why we're planting a church. This is why we haven't just remained in the North Church. We, we see the mission of Christ to send us out. And so that's why we're here. And so it's so timely for us as we, as we start to launch this church officially next week. So we believe that, that sharing with the world is our mission. It's our collective calling as a body of believers. 
It's not just for special people. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for the leaders and for those who, who stand up. It's for all of us. We're all called to this, to lay down our lives and give ourselves away for the mission of Christ. I want to share with you a few uh, statistics I just ran through this week. Um, did you know that 32% of the world, 32% of this world, they, they, they claim, they profess to be Christians. They, pro- they profess to be a part of let's say, the Christian heritage, right? But looking deeper into those numbers, only 7.9% of the world's population actually profess to be evangelical. Remember, evangelical means good news, good news Christians, born-again Christians, those of us that believe in in justification by faith alone. So only 7.9% of them, of our world's population, actually believe that. So out of the 7.6 billion people, only 600 million, according to these numbers, only 600 million people profess to be born again. That's a lot of people that haven't been uh, born again yet. That leaves 7 billion people in this world who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, who don't know Christ like you and I. They don't have that same joy, that joy of salvation. They don't have the forgiveness of sins. They don't have a hope in a Savior. They don't know what it means to have a Savior who loves them and forgives them in spite of their sin. Now, some may have heard this message, but they may have rejected it. They've chosen not to believe it. But most have not heard it. Most have not heard it. Because faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear if we're not sent? And we've been sent, and we've been sent as a light to this neighborhood and a light outside of here to the rest of the world as well. 131.4 million people are born into this world every year. That's a lot of people, right? And according to statistics, 50 million people die in their sin every year. And they spend eternity, uh, they, they don't cease to exist. When they don't know Christ, they go to a place called hell. It's the place where the worm never dies. It's the place where the smoke goes up for her forever. As God's wrath poured out on sin, and they don't know Jesus Christ. It's because they have not heard of him in their lifetime, and we have not gone to them, and they have rejected the truth. They've never heard about a Savior who loves to forgive sinners. So we are here. We are here on this planet. We're here to glorify the Lord. He glorifies himself through our salvation in him, for us growing in holiness, and for us going out, doing the work of sharing that news. And that's why we're planting a church. And I pray that this little church will start to multiply. New believers will come in. They will hear the message and they will be changed and they'll be transformed and become a part of our body. And then they'll turn around and they'll start multiplying themselves as well. In our own city, we have 1.2 million people in the city who don't know Christ. 1.2 million people all around us who need to hear that message. And we'll always share this with each other. We'll always be reminding each other that this is our calling. We can never forget this. And so we obey. 
And so we obey the Lord when he calls us to serve. And we go where he calls us to go, and we do it when he calls us to go as well. So today we're going to look at what it means to give our time, to give our lives, how to give our lives away for the Lord here in the church, obediently investing our lives, fervently sharing our gifts, sacrificially giving our treasures, and faithfully looking for what's next to come, what the next work is. And so a Christ follower gives freely that which is freely given. Actually, we're going to be looking at Matthew 25. I don't know why I told you, Romans. <laughs> Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. While you're getting there, I am going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for these people. Uh, most of all, Lord, we, we want to glorify you today. We want to lift your name up. We want your name to resound on our lips and for us to be worshiping you in, in spirit and truth, that you would receive everything from us. And all we do, Lord, is we ascribe your glory. You already have it. We ascribe it to you, and we worship you just as you are. And we thank you that your word, your word has revealed yourself to us clearly. We get to understand who you are through your word. And so we turn to it today. We, we trust it. We trust it as your truth. So speak to us, guide us, and grow us today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Matthew 25. Starting in verse 14, you might have seen this before, the parable of the talents. Now, there's much to be looked at in this parable, um, much that we could dissect and, and examine within the larger context of this chapter. In fact, this whole section of, of Matthew 24 and 25 deals a lot with eschatology. You guys know what eschatology is? Anybody have a definition quick for that? Nobody? End times, right? Really, really simple. Big word but it's actually just all about what's going to happen at the end, right? And so these, these two chapters in Matthew really deal a lot with that, and we can dive into that. There's a lot of different angles that uh, people take here, uh, but we're not going to be doing that today, but we're going to be looking um, at the main idea that's at the center of this parable. And the main idea of this parable and how it's going to apply to our giving time as the church. And so through this, we're going to see regardless of when or how Christ comes back. We know that he's coming back. We know that we're in the last days. While we wait, we need to be obediently investing our time for the kingdom of God. We need to be obediently investing our lives for the kingdom of God. And so the parable of the talents reveals three servants. These are three slaves that belong to a master, a master who is about to depart on a long journey. Let me read it to you. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he had made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. 
Here I have made five talents more. His master, master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's a a fairly lengthy parable. And there's a lot in there for us to look at. And so we see these three slaves, these three servants. And this this master was leaving on a journey and, and he gives them instructions for what they're to do while he's away. He gives them each a a critical responsibility, and he leaves them in charge of his mission, of his properties. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. So this this talent, we, we wonder what that is. Well, a talent is just simply a weight. It's a weight of measure, um... It could have been a weight of measure of gold. It could have been silver. It could have been copper. It could have been something else. It could have been salt. But we know that it had value, that it had substance, that it was worth something. And he entrusted his servants to hold on to it. And so we also know that this this master must have been a wealthy master. He had three different servants. And then he gives uh, these servants some different amounts of according, it says, to their, their ability, according to their capability. So, so guy number one, he gets five talents. The other guy, number two, he gets two talents. And number three gets one talent. Obviously, he had some insight into their lives and their ability, so he knew them well. So they were given these amounts based on their capabilities. So slaves at that time, too, we want to understand what a slave was then, Slave could be somebody that was merely uh, sweeping your floor or feeding your livestock, taking care of your children. It can go all the way up to being a physician. It could be your own personal physician or a lawyer or even somebody who was looking after your company. And they were all considered within uh, the idea of what it meant to be a servant. Okay? So we see that this master, master gives these talents, puts them in the hands of these, of these servants, and he wants them to do something with it. Right? He doesn't say it but you just know that it's, this is intended. Do something with this money. And so these servants, they go and they handle this property as they see fit. Servant number one, 
He takes the five talents. We don't know what he does with it, but he doubles it. Servant number two, he also doubles his talent. He gets four. Servant number three, well, servant number three digs a hole. He hides it. He buries it. He keeps it out of sight. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want anybody else to see it. He was afraid, as it says later. And so we have two servants that are profitable, two servants who are, who are multiplying this treasure, and then we have one who does basically nothing with it. He doesn't lose it, but he doesn't do anything with it. Does anybody remember back in the 1990s, early 90s, there was uh, the Internet. Well, I mean, this is even kind of before the Internet. This is, this is when uh, uh, they started to talk about the Internet, and then they started to sell domain names, right? So .com, whatever it was. Like you come up with a name and you can, you can buy that name. So back in 1993 and 94, you could buy a domain name for about $100. Uh, it would be about $100 uh, a year. You could register that name, just come up with a name. If it's not taken, it's yours. You bought it, you own it for that year or two. At that time in my life, we didn't even have a computer in our home. I know that seems foreign to a lot of you. Like not, I don't think we had a computer until we were married, probably 2004 in our house, 2005. It's really kind of crazy to think about it, and the Internet is around us today. But people were buying up these domain names. They had this foresight to do something with this. To me, it meant nothing. I didn't know what you'd be doing with that. Um, I, did, I didn't have the foresight to be out buying this. And there was some value here. $100 to buy a domain name is, is actually pretty costly. The, the domain name for our church is $20 a year. It's really not that much. But back then, um, it was $100. And so there was an investment, and you would buy these, and, uh, and then there would be payoffs down the road when you, would save, when you would sell that name. In fact, the most expensive domain name that uh, uh, is publicly known right now is uh, insurance.com. So back in the 90s, somebody, somebody bought that name. They said, I want to I own insurance.com. Well, that domain name sold in 2010. Remember, remember it was bought for $100. In 2010, it was sold for $35.6 million. Now, I'd say that's a pretty good return on your money, right? So this was like the first servant, somebody who was looking down the road and was going to make a profit for his master. So the investment paid off, and it paid off for these guys as well. But for one guy, not so good. And that's where we're going to go here in this parable. Uh, this parable, remember a parable is, is an earthly story of a greater reality, right? It's a tangible, earthly story talking about things that we know to teach a heavenly reality, spiritual truth. And so in this, the story really isn't about servants and a master and, and a talent. It's about much more than that. Remember, the context is waiting for Christ to return. What do we do with our time? Jesus is teaching his disciples here, and he's also teaching us. He's teaching us what it means to take the riches that Christ has entrusted to us, the riches of his grace and his gospel, and what we're supposed to be doing is multiplying that for his glory. And how are we doing on that? As the master returns from his trip, he, he gathers these servants together, right? So this master is returning. It's, it's like speaking about Jesus coming back. He gathers these servants together, and he brings them one by one to him, and, he's, and he sees what did they do with the money that he left behind? What did they do with the treasure? 
Like we've seen already, guy number one, servant number one, he doubles this. And the master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The master is pleased with his work. He did exactly what he wanted. He didn't want him to hold on to that treasure. Guy number two comes, and he shows him the same thing. You gave me two, and I doubled it. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So both of these guys did awesome. They were faithful. They invested what they were given. And they were rewarded abundantly. They were rewarded with, with more and with, and with eternal life as well. But the guy who had the one talent... The guy who buried it, he sheepishly comes to his master, brings the same bag that that was given to him with the the talents to begin with, covered in dirt, and he says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, right? Really, really revealing his, his perspective on his master. He doesn't like his master, really doesn't like him at all. He said, you're a man who, who reaps where you don't sow. You gathered where you scattered no seed. You're dishonest. And so I was afraid of you, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here have what is yours. And so we see that this servant, this is the, this is the wicked servant. This is the one who reveals his true character. He reveals his true heart. He reveals that he's not thankful. He's re- he reveals that he doesn't trust his master. He didn't believe in his master. He didn't get the point, and he was afraid. And then he ultimately accuses his master of being unmerciful, accuses him of being dishonest and unworthy of investment. Now, we can look at this, and and it helps us to look at ourselves as well. To some degree, we're all dishonest. We're all wicked servants at some point in our life. We don't give the glory that he deserves We've been given this great treasure, and we don't work to the point of exhaustion for Him, multiplying what He has given us. And I know that your hearts are to do that, and we we need to grow in that by the grace of the Lord Jesus, equipping us by the power of His Spirit to do that. But it's good to throw up that mirror. The Bible is a mirror for us to see ourselves in light of the glory of Christ and to see where we fall short. This parable is not about gold. It's not about silver. It's not about copper. It's about Jesus speaking to us. Those of us who profess to be Christ followers, He's speaking about our willingness to believe and to trust Him as evidenced by our obedience and how we use what He has given us. We're seeing God's economy here. He doesn't deal with gold and silver. He deals with souls. His economy is about the multiplication of redemption. He is the CEO of what we're doing here, and He allots us capital, and then He gives us what? He gives us this surefire investment. He's not saying that, go and do this, and and you might come out productive. He's given us a surefire investment. You go be faithful, and I am going to bless that work. The Holy Spirit's going to go with you, and He will reap the benefits. Our Lord never fails. His investment in us 
never fails. And so we need to seek him wholeheartedly, making disciples for his glory. We see this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. We see Jesus as our master. He is our master. And after he rose from the grave, and he took some time to, to teach his disciples just before he ascended to heaven, and he says to his disciples and to us and to his servants, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Right? That's our talent. He's given us our talent. That's our weight. That's our measure. And we all have different abilities. We all have different capabilities. But each one of us has a responsibility with what God has given us and our abilities within that and our spiritual giftings in order to fulfill that mandate. All authority is given to him. He's our master. Let's not forget that. And what he's saying is basically this in the Great Commission. I am God. I have saved you. Now go and take the gospel that I have entrusted to you and multiply it. Take your new life and give it away. Spend yourself for the good of the world and the glory of my name and do this in obedience and work for Christ. And so how are we doing? How are we doing in our multiplying? How are we doing in our sharing of our faith? How are we doing in giving our lives away for our Lord and Savior? Are you taking God at, at His word? Are you taking Him and trusting Him for who He is? Are you spending yourself? Are you working to the point of exhaustion because you know that He can be trusted? You know that He's coming back. It's coming any day. And this God is full of grace and mercy. And we also know that the days are evil and many do not know Him. Sometimes we question our own equipping, right? Our own abilities. Um, and we grow in that as Christians, right? Uh, when you become a Christian and you're saved, remember the Holy Spirit comes to reside within you. You're regenerated. You're made new. You were spiritually dead. And when you believe and have faith, when God grants you that faith, the Holy Spirit comes in. And when the Spirit comes in, He also gives you gifts, His gifts, His spiritual gifts. Remember, the, the gifts are His, and we are called to steward them. And so He enables you to do His work. Sometimes we question how much power we have with the Holy Spirit, right? Is He with us? Is He guiding us? Is He doing His work through us? Sometimes we question, like the wicked servant, God's mercy, His grace and His love, His purposes. But we're also scared. We're scared to risk our lives for the gospel. We're scared. Are you willing to risk your life to give yourself away for Him? Or are you satisfied with sitting on the sidelines? Satisfied with sitting on the sidelines and living life without being a part of the mission. Listen to what the outcome is for the wicked servant. Verse 26. But his master answers him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown? This is a big question mark here. Remember, put it at the end. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed? Are, are you ridiculous, this charge that you're putting against me? 
wicked and slothful servant. He's saying you're unfaithful and that you question my faithfulness as your Savior. Then he says, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. Right? Don't just hide, the, don't just hide that in the ground. At least give it away for somebody else to make money with it. Then he says, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. So we see here is that those who are faithful, those who are faithful to invest their lives in the gospel will reap the rewards of the gospel. God will bless your faithfulness. Believe that. God will bless as, as you are obediently going with him, he will always be with you and bless your work. And he will work abundantly and powerfully through your sacrifice. And he says, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's really being revealed here is that authentic faith is always evidenced by faithfulness to serve the Lord. And we serve at the risk of everything else. We serve at the risk of our lives and our friendships and our relationships. We risk our lives for Him. The Lord will bless it. But servant number three, he didn't get this. And he paid the ultimate cost. He, he proved himself not to be a servant. He proved himself not to be what he was professing. And so we need to look at that. Do we get that? Do we understand that? That we are called to live our lives, to give ourselves away for the Lord, to risk it all for Him? And this is the reason we're planting this church. Because we believe this. This is why you're here, is because you believe this. You believe this is what you're called to. If you didn't, hey, why wouldn't you go to another church that has a lot more programs and a lot more other uh, fancy things for your family to be involved in, a lot more just greater things that just are, are, are good for you or that you believe are good for you? We believe this, and we, we want to obey the Lord in this as, as the church. We understand the great cross that Jesus had, the great cost on the cross for us, and we trust him at his word. And that he wants to use us. Charles Spurgeon is, is often regarded as the prince of preachers. And he was the prince of preachers in the 1800s. Uh, he relentlessly spent himself serving the Lord in England. And thousands of sinners came to know the Lord through his ministry. If you look at the guy, uh, he wasn't an attractive guy. Uh, he had, a, he had uh, some diseases that were uh, disabling him. He struggled with depression. He, he struggled with a lot of medical issues. But this man devoted himself to the Lord. This man would personally write about 500 handwritten notes a week just to, to believers, to people in his church. He loved his people so much that he would pour himself. He wrote books. He wrote all kinds of awesome stuff. And then preaching at the tabernacle Every weekend, he was, he was a lion for the ministry. And he says this, I never yet heard regrets from dying men that they have done too much for Christ. 
or lived too earnestly for Him, or won too many souls, or given too much of their substance to the cause of God. But but the regrets all lie the other way. God save us from them for His mercy's sake. As we're looking at our life, let us not regret the time that we've had here and the time that we've spent on, on other things, right? Let us make sure that we are about the work of Christ. So when the, the end comes for us, we pray that we will not regret the work that we have done. In fact, we'll probably regret what we haven't done. We'll look back and say, I have wasted a lot of time on other things when I could be doing the work of the Lord. That is our calling, our primary calling as Christians. And we want to see the Lord face to face, and we will see Him face to face, all of us one day. And we pray that He will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our prayer. That's what we want. We don't want Him to say, away from me, I never knew you. Right? Now, this isn't saying that what we do earns anything. Right? We do it because it's been earned for us in Jesus Christ. We don't go and share the gospel in order to inherit the kingdom. We've already inherited the kingdom, and therefore we go. But for those who don't understand the mission and never produce fruit, it's usually revealed that they are not of the kingdom. And so, if you're a true Christ follower today, you're called to multiply. You're called to obediently invest your life. And so how do we apply this as the church? How do we apply this as as Harvest Bible Chapel, Calgary South? How do we give our time to this? Well, I want to just look at three different ways that we're going to apply this. And the first way is this. We fervently share our gifts. So this is the verse I was referring to, Romans 12, 11 at the start. And we read this as our scripture reading. But Romans 12, 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. So this section in Romans 12, just previous, teaches about the unique giftings we have as Christians and the the unity that we have as the body of Christ, that the Holy Spirit gifts us uniquely and uses us together. This Holy Spirit builds a body of believers in Christ. And we are given all these different roles and functions and we work together together in harmony for the glory of God. And then it comes on to to highlight the true marks of a Christian, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hate evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then this, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, and serve the Lord. So this, this word slothful is really a hard word to improve on. It, it's, it's the perfect word uh, going on here. If you ever watched a sloth try to cross a highway or something, it's, it's unbearable to watch them try to cross a road or try to do anything. I think they actually make fun of them in a certain uh, kid's cartoon that's out right now as well. But really, sloths are so slow, it feels like they're getting nothing done. They're, they're, this word is being used in the sense of to be idle, to be inactive, to be lazy, to be apathetic. And so when it comes to our spiritual gifts, are we approaching them in this manner? 
Are we being apathetic? Are we being lazy? Or are you practicing your gifts? Or are you digging a hole and are you hiding them in the ground? Are you too busy to practice those gifts? Is, is life getting in the way and the choices of life getting in the way of, of your work together, giving your life for each other? Remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't give you gifts to hide in the ground. He gives you gifts to use them, right? To do His work and to give glory to the Lord. How many people this Christmas got an Instapot? Anybody? Nobody here. Hold on. That's, I think we're wanting one, right? Um, but there's this, uh, you know, getting appliances, the, the next fastest awesome appliance, right, that's out there. Um, I know the Instapot was a big thing this Christmas, but I remember like great big mixers and all these kinds of things. And for us guys, it might be the next awesome tool, like a, a really cool uh, bench grinder or, uh, or whatever it is, right? We love these tools, and there's such a promise for them to do so much work for us, to, to, to do us such good. But what usually happens with some of these big appliances that we buy? We get it home, we open it up, uh, you make a couple smoothies, you make a couple of this or that, and then it's just, it's in the way, it's on the counter. And so you, you put that thing in the corner covered, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that, and then you kind of forget about it, right? And it sits there collecting dust. And we can kind of look at the way that we approach our spiritual gifts sometimes in this way. We put them away, we hide them, we dig a hole in the ground. God has given us supernatural tools to do His work, from, from preaching to teaching to encouraging one another, to serving one another, giving to, to one another, giving to the Lord, leading one another, having mercy with one another, faith, gifts of helps, among others. And we often fall short of, of knowing and, and using these gifts for His good. And so when we don't take the time to serve and to pull that gift out from the corner cupboard, we fail to follow through what God has called us to. What we need to be doing is take that tool out of the cupboard and put it on the counter, right? So it's right in front of you and you can use it at all times. Look at what the Lord has given you and use it for one another. So do you know what you're good at? Do you know your natural giftings and your supernatural giftings? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? You know, many churches, they'll run you through like a, a spiritual gift assessment, and, and sometimes these, these things are good. But probably the best way to discover your spiritual gifts is to get serving and to start to discover, hey, I'm trying this out, and oh, I'm, really, I'm discovering that I'm really good at this, right? The Lord has gifted me in this area. Or you're, you're rubbing shoulders with one another, and they see what you're good at. And they say, you know, Tim is really good at this. Or Ben is really good at this, right? So you, we need to work together and we discover what our spiritual gifts are. We need to know how the Lord has gifted us. And we need to serve the church, giving our time, giving ourselves a way to be used by Him here. And, and, and we have plenty of opportunities to serve here, right? We're a small number of people and we have lots to do and so there's lots to do together. So there's no shortage of opportunity, no shortage to, to come and serve and discover your spiritual gifts and the abilities that the Lord has given you. Next, we want to see that we, we need to sacrificially give our treasure. Sacrificially give our treasure. 
So every, every week we, we take an offering here at Harvest. Some people give online. Some people give through e-transfer. There's all different kinds of ways to give today. And we need to look at our treasure. We need to look at how we give. Now, giving is not just a tradition. We don't just do it because it's fun, right? We just love to give. Um, giving takes work. And the church takes money. It takes money to pay the rent. It takes money to pay salaries. It takes money to do what we're doing. And so let's have a look at, at giving here for a minute. Sacrificially giving our treasure. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 16 is really kind of ground zero for New Testament giving. Back then they were taking up a relief offering for the saints Remember, Jerusalem was feeling a lot of persecution, and Paul and some other disciples were organizing the, the, the relief of the saints' offering, and, and churches were gathering up money so that they could take it back to Jerusalem to help. And so when you study this for yourself, you see how this applies also to your church and how you give to the Lord. And here's just a, a few things of, of, of what we learn here in, in this section. So we learn that a, a Christ follower gives bountifully and gives generously. Those who sow sparingly will, will reap sparingly. Those who, who reap bountifully will reap bountifully. Right? It's, it's very clear in Scripture. We give. Sometimes we, we hold back. We don't want to give, right? And, and knowing that we need that money as well. But if, if we trust the Lord with us, we will reap the benefits of our giving. The Lord will always take care of us. We give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. And so when you think about reaching into the bank account, reaching into your, your, your purse or your, your wallet to, to give to the Lord, are you giving cheerfully? Is this something I'm just, I just love doing? I love to worship the Lord this way. You've got to remember that giving is worship, right? We give to the Lord worshipfully. Uh, we give freely, not under compulsion. We give sacrificially. Uh, I, I just ask you to go home and to study this section, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and then 1 Corinthians 16, to learn about what it means to give. And we'll, we'll focus on this down the road as well. You need to give as you've decided in your heart, right? This is for you to decide with the Lord. You pray about it. Talk to Him about it. Lord, what can I give for you? I want to be generous. I want you to do your work. We need to give of our first fruits. We need to give first, and, and that's usually the hard, hardest part. Are we giving first, or are we giving what's left over at the end? Or are we thinking about the Lord first? In, in 1 Corinthians 16, it talks about gathering money at the start of each week so that there's something to give to the offering. And so there's lots to be learned about what it means to give. Um, but I think the main point is giving is sacrificial. It really is. We give about out of the abundance of what the Lord has given us. We understand that the Lord owns it all. It's all His. It's not ours. We're called to be stewards. We've been given so much. And He is our Master. And we need to work together on this. We need to understand that sometimes when we're tempted not to give, um, sometimes we think somebody else will give. Oh, somebody else is going to give, so I, I'm gonna, I'll miss on this this time. But we all need, if we're all faithful together, 
we will meet the needs of the church and we will be progressing as a church in the mission of Christ in the world because it's not just about here, it's about what's next as well. A couple months ago, I gave you a, a financial update. We talked about how our regular monthly giving was going. We were meeting about 30% of what we needed every month, and we're still about there right now. We're still sitting around the 30% uh, amount that we need to, to pay the bills, to keep the lights on, and all that. And, and we pray that as we get more people, they will help us in this effort. But we pray that even each of us could examine how we're giving and see how we can be more faithful in that, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but willingly and generously and cheerfully. All right. So I will give you guys an update about where we are financially in, in a couple of weeks as well. So let's be a team on this. Let's join together and to give for the Lord. And so that's part of our life, of our giving ourselves away, is opening our hands and being open-handed with what the Lord has given us. And then the last point here, we prayerfully give our people to the next work. Prayerfully give our people to the next work. One of our slogans in this church plant has been, join Christ as he builds his church in South Calgary. We want people to join us in this effort, but more than that, to join Christ in what he's doing here. And we're also looking beyond that. We're looking beyond this church and this place um, our old pastor, Dan Dumas, he was in town this past weekend, and, and what he taught us about church planting was, you plant pregnant, which means we're planting right now, but we're planting pregnant. Like, we want to have another church come out of here one day. We don't want to just say that this, it's all about this. We want another church in, in the northeast. We want a church farther in the west. We'd love to see something in, in Cochrane. We'd love to see Red Deer, Edmonton, BC, anywhere. We want to be about planting churches. I mean, it's one of our distinctives. We believe in church planting. We believe that's the mission that God has called us to. We also want to see beyond that. We want to look at India as well. We want to look at the rest of the world. And in the Great Commission Collective, the group that we belong to, the fellowship, we're about planting churches across the world. We have works right now going on in, in Germany. We have stuff going on in, in East Europe. We have stuff going on in India and all over in Africa as well. And so we're about that. But we want to look at ourselves too and say we want to be open-handed with each other. Right? We don't want to just hold on to what we have. And the North Church has been an awesome example of this to us. A lot of great, awesome people have come out of the North. You guys are all evidence of that. And they've been open-handed with us. Right? Taking some of, of, of some people that can sing, they're like, oh, that's going to hurt a little bit, right? But they freely give them to us, and, and we're so thankful for that. They believe in multiplication. We believe in multiplication. To choose and to go and to make disciples and to let each other go as well. So we want to plant this church with an openness to support one another as we are on the mission, to, to let each other go to, to the outer reaches of what God has called us to do. And so we need to approach serving and sending this same way. So let's prayerfully give our people to the next work. God could be doing work on your heart right now and, 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 and creating you to be that next person that goes out and plants another church. Or you're going to go on the mission field somewhere. Whatever it is, we want to support you in that. And we don't want to hold on to you. We want you to spend time here and grow, but then we want to send you out.
And so there's much work to do. And so we see these, these two wise servants. They reproduce themselves. They multiply themselves. And so that's an example for us. We have the example of the wicked servant as well, just to, to show us the reality that, that if we're not doing anything, if we're, if we're couch potatoes of our faith and we don't do anything, it might reveal something more about us. And so we want to seek to be obediently investing our lives and fervently sharing our gifts, and sacrificially giving our treasure and prayerfully committing ourselves to the next work. And so next week we have our launch, and we're excited for that. We've got friends coming down from Olds, friends coming down from Harvest Calgary North, and we pray that as we hand out invites on people's doors and in person, and as they hear about the church, and as we share the good news that more people will come in here, we want the Lord to provide new people that show up unexpectedly, that we, have, we had no idea we're coming. Remember, it's the Lord's work, and we're called to go and do it. And so would you serve? We have many opportunities to serve. And uh, you'll never regret serving. Jesus is with us. He equips us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That is the truth. And He will use us for His glory. And so give yourself away for Him. Because he gave himself away for you. Let's pray. Lord, the only reason that we are sitting and standing here in this place today is because of your abundant grace and mercy. The only reason that we can call ourselves the church is because you are building your church. You sacrificed yourself for us so that we could have life. You adopted us into your family, and we are the family of Christ. We praise you today that you have given us the good news. We're thankful for this parable that teaches us about what we do as we wait for you. We don't wait idly. We wait with urgency. We wait with busyness, busyness for you, not busyness with the rest of the world. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to set our minds on you, not on the things of this world. And help us to go out to the world with the gospel, not to also be a holy huddle, but for those who go out and are open with themselves, giving themselves away, risking it all for you. Thank you for these people. Grow them, grow us, change us, transform us into your image. Renew our minds and may we behold your glory and be changed. Lord, we worship you today as your people. We praise you and we love you. And we ask that you would equip us, empower us by your Holy Spirit to do what you have called us to do. And we pray this in your name.